Um, so this morning we are going to wrap up the letter of the Apostle Paul to the Galatians. So please turn in your Bibles with me to Galatians chapter 6. Uh, we'll be covering um, verses 6 through 18. Last week we covered the first five verses of this chapter. And the title of this morning's chapter, or this morning's message, is um, Sow to the Spirit and Boast in the Cross. Two things, sow to the Spirit and boast in the cross. So let's begin by reading in Galatians chapter 6, verse 6. The Apostle Paul writes, Let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season if we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to, one, to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Verse 11. See with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. It is those who want to make a good, stand, a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised, and only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised, that they may boast in your flesh. But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. And as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we are truly thankful, Lord, that this letter is before us. Lord, that you have made it available to us, that we may glean from it, that we would be blessed and encouraged, that we ourselves, Lord, as the Apostle Paul writes to the Galatians, that we also, Lord, would be reminded of sound doctrine, of the true gospel, that we would not be fooled ourselves by anyone who teaches anything other than the fact and the truth that we are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ alone. Not by works, lest any man should boast, but only by grace through faith. Do we come to know the forgiveness of our sins, salvation, and eternal life with you? And so we are truly thankful, Father. We want to commit this morning into your hands, Lord. The rest of this time of study may be uh, at your feet and gleaning from you, inclining our hearts and our ears to what you would have to speak to us. And so teach us, we ask. Give us understanding, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Sometimes the most spiritual acts are the most pragmatic acts. Sensible, realistic, and based on what is 
practical. In fact, if you would turn with me to Matthew chapter 25, I want to read to you something that is pragmatic, something that is reasonable, something that is sensible, and something that the Lord Jesus himself spoke and taught. So Matthew chapter 25, beginning in verse 31. says, when the Son of Man comes in His glory, and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on His glorious throne. Before Him will be gathered all the nations, and He will separate people one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And He will place the sheep on His right, but the goats on, his le- on the left. Then the King will say to those on His right, Come, you who are blessed by My Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave Me food. I was thirsty, and you gave Me a gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them. Truly I say to you, As you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Uh, That is the most sensible, the most practical manner in which we can serve the Lord. Wouldn't you agree with me? It's pragmatic. Now, last week we also learned about something that is very practical, something that is sensible, something that is realistic. We learned about how we are to take care of one another when someone has fallen into sin, how it is that we are to extend ourselves in a very real, sensible, practical way to help our brothers and sisters be restored unto the Lord. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Very practical. It makes sense. It's realistic and it's what God desires that we would do. This morning, we continue with that thought of helping one another and how sowing to the Spirit is sharing one's blessings in order that the work of the Spirit, capital S, may continue with our participation. And the Lord desires that from each and every one of us. With everything that Paul has written in this letter up to this point, giving argument that the gospel is not in keeping the law, but rather known in the Spirit, and that salvation comes by grace alone, he once again reminds them that the Judaizers who had fooled them into thinking it was all about the outward rituals that were performed in keeping the law, that brought them into salvation They were wrong, and they were falsely teaching that a person gains favor with God by keeping these works of the law to gain salvation. But rather, salvation comes through the cross, by the finished work of Jesus Christ. It's not by our works, lest any man should boast. And therefore, just as the Apostle Paul finished this letter, he he wasn't going to boast about anything, about anyone, about his own works, that's for sure but in the cross alone. Our keeping of the word, therefore, is not for salvation, but simply 
And, and here's where we get things mixed up sometimes. We, we get it backwards. Our keeping of the word, what we have before us, the Bible, as we read through it, is not for salvation, but simply a response. It's a demonstration of the love that we have for the Lord, for the Lord that went to the cross on our behalf to bless Him by the way we live our lives, to His glory. It is a response to the grace and love He has demonstrated by His sacrifice on the cross and and the salvation that we have come to know. So two things we're going to look at this morning. Number one, sow to the Spirit. What that is and what it looks like. And secondly, that we ought to only boast in one thing, and that is in the cross. That's what the Apostle Paul gave himself to. That's what he desired to know and to do and to live, and that is the cross, the cross. He pointed to the cross, and that is all. So let's begin sowing to the Spirit. Begin to hopefully understand what this truly means. Sow to the Spirit. Verse 6, once again, let the one who is taught the Word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Paul along with this letter that is addressing the foolishness of following and believing those who are false teachers, teaching a false gospel, is now instructing the Galatians to make sure that they share and support. Instead of supporting and sharing with those that are teaching a false gospel and are false teachers, sharing and supporting those who teach sound doctrine, And teach well. He says, share in all good things with the one who teaches. Why is it? Again, we go back to being pragmatic, practical, sensible, real. In a very practical way, we ought to help those and support so that they could teach you more. You see, it's interesting that, you know, sometimes we think, oh, we we give of ourselves for the benefit of others. Can I tell you something? It's the Lord, I love this, the Lord flips things around. You wish to be first? With the Lord, you ought to be last. You ought to serve all. That you may be thought of well by the Lord. He turns everything around. If you really think highly of, you, of yourself because you're giving of yourself and, and giving financially and, and just, just get your sacrificing, oh, it's all for the benefit of you. When it comes to this, guess what happens? You yourself are benefiting all the more. And that's what the Apostle Paul is teaching here. Because as you sow so shall you reap. Sow more, reap more. By the way, this is addressing financial support. 
And so I, I want to get the elephant and identify it in the room. As awkward as that is for a pastor to teach this section of Scripture, it is part of Scripture. Therefore, I give you the whole counsel of God, just as it is here. It is addressing financial support, but it is not restricted to that. When we say the Lord is providing faithfully, we are saying that God is providing faithfully through His faithful people. Generously, joyfully, to the work of the ministry. I do have to say again that this subject is an awkward subject for a pastor to teach. And it may seem as if I'm speaking on my own behalf. But I'm not. For those of you who do know me, um, whether it's 220, 200, whatever it is, personally, I just want to be faithful to what the Lord's called me to, and that's it. Whether it's here or in my home, personally. I want to be faithful to teach the whole counsel of God's Word. I desire to advance the work of the gospel of Jesus Christ and to fulfill the work that he has begun here at Refuge. That's what my desire is. We have a board of directors here at Refuge. We have a leadership here at Refuge who sees how we handle the ministry and if there was any wrongdoing, it would be addressed very quickly. I can confidently say that. And I can confidently also address this subject with humility and a full understanding that God has entrusted to me as your pastor, to the leadership and to the board and to us as his people, the resources necessary to gather here in communion, in fellowship, and in partnership and worship him and grow as we are taught the word of God, as we grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. What you contribute in the form of tithe and offering is not a payment to appease God. It is not an obligation to satisfy what you feel you have to do. It is sharing joyfully to the work of the Lord in the lives of everyone here and to further the kingdom as we reach out to others, as we are further strengthened and built up in the Lord and do the work of an evangelist. That which we are being taught, that which we are coming to understand, only strengthens our lives to glorify the Lord, gives us wisdom that we may apply that which we've come to understand to our lives, to bless our lives and to bless others around us, no matter what we are confronted with. The question is, and and here's where it doesn't become an awkward subject. I remember a long time ago, this topic, I know in the world, it's a sore subject. Oh, the church, all they do is ask for money. Who's heard that? All hands should go up, right? You've heard that. That's that's all the church does. They're just after your, your money. Well, I remember growing up and hearing that over, and when you hear that over and over, Um, you you get indoctrinated in a worldly way. 
but are ignorant of the very word of God and what it says. Right? Because you say that with, if you're not saying it with full biblical knowledge, then you're, you have to say it with ignorance, right? Just repeating what you've heard. But how do you view sharing? How do you view it? That, your answer to that will really be expressed by the way you share. Here's what the Apostle Paul was addressing with the Christians in Galatia. This very topic. Again, for me, I came to the point to where I understood. Oh, I, I understood fully what it was to sow unto the Spirit. What it was to give. When, when you get to a point to where you understand that, and you understand that practically, sensibly, realistically, as you give, you are actually participating in partnership with the work of the Lord, you'll do it with joy. You'll do it with joy. And this is what the Apostle Paul was addressing here. Because number one, God knows the heart and intents of the heart. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 and 7 says, The point is this, Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. And this is speaking of the attitude of the giver, the posture of the heart. If you see giving as a waste of your resources... If you do so out of necessity, then your heart's intentions, your motives are not right toward the Lord, and you don't understand what this is all about. There, there's a lack of understanding. That's the bottom line. It's like, man, if, if everything else determines the portion you give to the Lord of yourself, and I'm talking, I'm talking your, your pocket but also of yourself. It, it all depends how much I have spent elsewhere on the things for myself. And, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to give to the Lord whatever's left over. And Lord, you're lucky if there's anything left over. That's the wrong mentality. That, you don't understand the Lord. Because we are supposed to give to the Lord our first fruits. I know for us, we, we committed a long time ago. You know, the first thing, we, we personally, as far as our family is concerned, we tithe. Now, it's, it's, you're not obligated to tithe. You're not. And I tell you, if the Lord has not impressed that upon you, if you're not giving joyfully, don't do it. Please don't do it. You give as you, the, the portion that you can give joyfully, give to the Lord. If it's more than your joy, do not give. Just sit and learn and see and taste and know how good the Lord is. At, at some point, maybe He moves in your heart. But do not give out of obligation. Please don't do that. It's an attitude of the, of the heart, the, past, the posture of the heart. Jeremiah 17.10 says, I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. 
And so the Lord searches the hearts. And that's what I want to point out first and foremost is that God knows the heart and intentions of the heart. He, he knows what, what our motives and intentions are. So we can't hide from that. We can just ask, Lord, work on me. Show me. Give me joy. But secondly, man reaps what he sows. The law of sowing and reaping is something that is well known by farmers. Farmers know that very well. One reaps what one sows. It is that simple. It is very simple. It's not complicated. In other words, if you sow corn, you'll reap apples. Have you ever seen that? That would be amazing. Now you sow corn, you get corn, right? You you sow cabbage, you get cabbage. Tomatoes, tomato. Yeah, you you know what I mean? You, you what you sow, that's exactly what you'll reap. Farmers know this. They don't, they don't sow corn and wait, thinking maybe a tree will come out of the ground. They they don't do that. They, they don't sow corn and think. Hmm, I wonder what's going to come out. They, they don't. They, they know exactly what's going to come out. What's going to be reaped is that which was sown. It's a great principle. It's that which is before us here. Likewise, whatever we sow in our lives, that will we also reap. And the more we sow, the more we will reap. It, that's just the, the law of sowing and reaping. But it doesn't sprout up the next day. That's also a great principle. Something that we ought to exercise is faith. It takes patience, persistence, and faith. When you sow to the Spirit, well, practically speaking, how do we sow to the Spirit? We can read, and we can study the Word of God. We pray. We seek the Lord and trust in Him. We fellowship, and as we fellowship, and I'm talking about communion centered around the Lord, coming together corporately to worship God. What we did this morning to start off this, this morning's service, and this is all, by the way, it's a continuation of, this, of a worship service unto the Lord. We, we sung His praises. We're, we're sowing to the Spirit. If you came in carnal, you can't remain carnal for very long as you sing unto the Lord and and are reminded of His goodness, of His faithfulness, of His patience, of His grace, of His mercy, of His love for you. It's hard to remain in the flesh. Try praying and remain in the flesh. That's so hard as you consider who is before you, who's inclining His ear to you. You want to sow to the Spirit. And so you want to get in the Word of God. You want to drop to your knees and pray and seek the Lord. You want to come together and be stirred up to love and good works in a fellowship as we have here. You want to be built up in the Lord. Those are all things that in a very practical way helps us to sow to the Spirit teaches us how to live obediently to the Word of God, worship God. Some things you'll see right away. Other things will take time. 
It's called the, the process of sanctification, yeah, of becoming more like Christ-like, reflecting Him in our lives. By the way, if you're in the process, if you haven't arrived, you're in the right place. You know, hopefully none of us can say we've arrived, right? Nobody's arrived. None. So we are in the process of sanctification. But we need to submit ourselves and commit ourselves to the Lord and His work in our lives. That is sowing to the Spirit. And yet some things, as we don't see them happening right away, as we don't see, like, the harvest right away. Oh, Lord, I went to church once and I just, I felt good for, like, that afternoon. And I felt really holy and righteous. And comes Monday, and I just don't feel so holy and righteous anymore, and I'm just battling with this or that. When you don't, don't see things right away, the Apostle Paul, as he encouraged the Galatians, so he encourages us, and the Lord encourages us, more importantly, in his Holy Spirit, says, and let us not grow weary of doing good. How can we grow weary when we sow in spiritual things and when we don't see much as far as results are concerned in our own lives? And, by the way, we can be discouraged when we do not see the fruit of the Spirit in other people. Why? Because our eyes are on the wrong person. So we start to grow weary. Oh, well, so-and-so, you know. And and we start murmuring and complaining and gossiping and talking about other people when really the Lord is saying, eyes on me. Over here. Let me just give you some great insight. You may not have known this up to this point. It's something really deep and probably... Again, never heard it before, but people will let you down. Yeah. I, I just thought I'd tell you that. People will let you down. People will discourage you, whether they want to or not. We are actually supposed to encourage each other. Stir each other up to loving good works. But we don't always do that. The only way we will stay consistent and steadfast in the Lord is to keep our eyes fixed on the Lord. We need to keep, in spite of and because of, you know, failure on each other's part, we we should take our eyes off of each other, be very patient toward each other, be loving and considerate and graceful and merciful toward one another, and did I say patient toward one another? But not put our eyes on one another. We should, we should really put them on the Lord. Maybe momentarily be encouraged by one another. That's fine. Because even the Apostle Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ, right? But at the moment that person is not imitatable, is not followable, right? We need to, like, hey, listen, you're not it, <laughs> I, I thought it was you, but it, you, you ain't it. No, it's, it's the Lord. We can grow weary if we don't see results in ourselves or others right away. And so the Lord is telling us, 
Don't grow weary of doing good. Don't stop. Don't, don't stop. Keep going. The farmer's harvest doesn't come immediately. He's sown the seeds. He lays them down. He's watered them a little bit. Next day, nope, nothing. They don't come right away. They don't, it doesn't come immediately. And neither do these spiritual seeds sprout up right away. It takes time. The roots have to shoot down before the stem comes up. Roots have to go down. And then once those roots are down and they're tapped into that water source, oh man, just watch what happens. But you won't see it break the earth and come up until that happens. Like truly come up in good soil. But do not give up because in due season we will reap. Be patient. Have faith. It's easy to lose heart and give up when we are purely thinking about getting, receiving. But what we realize is that we are reaping many blessings as we sow to the things of God. As you look back, you begin to realize, oh, God, you have been faithful in bringing the harvest. I've seen you, as I look back, do some things in my life that are truly amazing. Oh, there has been fruit. Some fruit, but there has been fruit. May we acknowledge that fruit and continue to move forward. Thirdly, if you don't sow, don't expect to reap. These, these are, I know, these are like really deep things, right? I know, I, I know it's simple, but how many of us expect to reap something when we haven't sown? I'm kind of thinking about the day in which we live in. Hey, listen, you haven't worked for it, you ain't going to get it. You shouldn't get it. There are people who sow minimally, but expect big things. And it just doesn't work that way. And so as God gives us the ability to do, sow, to sow... We are to share in all good things to all people, and especially to those who are brothers and sisters in Christ. As you sow, so shall you reap. Everyone benefits. Be patient, keep going, don't grow weary, and know that a harvest does come in due season. In other words, it comes not in your timing, but in the Lord's timing. For us, what is it that pleases God according to Hebrews 11.6? Faith. That's it. We leave the the producing, the bringing the fruit up to the Lord. It's in His due time. But for us, we are to simply remain faithful to the Lord. So we are to sow to the Spirit. Secondly, we are to boast in the cross. Verse 11, the Apostle Paul continues, saying, See with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. It is Those who want to make a good showing in the flesh, who would force you to be circumcised, and only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised, that they may boast in your flesh. Paul's writing with these large 
letters. In his own writing is what we have here. That's what he wrote. Speculations. I'll give you some speculations. And they're speculations, that's all they are. Because it's not explicit. It's not something that is written. This isn't the reason why. The Apostle Paul doesn't give us, nor anywhere else in Scripture. Number one, Paul had bad eyesight and couldn't read small letters. As you get older, even though you don't see the line here, um, the top portion of these glasses are for seeing far, and then the, the part on the bottom is to see close. Bifocals, right? That just, that's what happens. But it's a speculation that Paul had bad eyesight, and it was for that reason that he wrote with big letters, and, but he, he, didn't, he didn't write that in every letter, right? Secondly, second speculation is uh, he's addressing the Galatians as if they were children. They were acting like children, right? They were duped. They were fooled into thinking something that they shouldn't have been fooled into thinking. Um, or he was the first one uh, to text in all caps. What does all caps mean? Yelling, right? So if you text in all caps and think that's normal, it's not, it's not normal! <laughs> because it, it's supposed to signify that you're, you're yelling, Right? It's, it's to add emphasis. So uh, the third thing is that it was thought that maybe it was to add emphasis. I like this one better than all of the rest. Um, I think that the Apostle Paul was definitely emphasizing. But the emphasis was in the words themselves. The Galatians were fooled by allowing themselves to believe what they knew was wrong. What they had been taught initially. He, he was shocked. He was bewildered. How is it that you've been fooled so easily and so quickly? We do know that Paul chose to use large letters, and he did. But Paul addresses once again the false teachers who were more interested in boasting in people that they got to be circumcised in the flesh and really follow the law and then count them as being their followers than anything else. But their boasting was in the outward appearance of righteousness and not in the inward reality of righteousness found and known in Christ alone, by grace alone, by faith alone, and not in any works of flesh, lest any man should boast. Guilt. If you don't do these certain things, and here's where you will know that it's, it's a false gospel, if the requirements of salvation are the adherence of the law. Please run. Please please know the word of God and and make sure that you you don't try and like, well, what is it that you have to say about that? You know, uh, I have to do X amount of works in order to be uh, welcomed into the kingdom of God? No. That's, that's false. It's wrong. In fact, these guys couldn't keep the law themselves. They required circumcision, and that's fine. That's, that's of the flesh. But their hearts weren't circumcised before the Lord. 
by doing these things according to the law, they could avoid earthly persecution is what we see here, but not eternal damnation. And that's what the Apostle Paul was addressing. Looking good on the outside, but inside they remained condemned as they relied on their own workings instead of the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. When Jesus said it is finished, it was finished on the cross. It was done. We are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. We believe on Jesus Christ. He died in our place. We could never do it on our own. Now, by contrast, Paul desired to have no part in personal glory. He he don't want anything to do with it. Nothing. Like like he said to others, I'm so glad that I didn't baptize you or you or you. (laughs) I'm so glad. I, I don't want any part in. He didn't want to touch God's glory but only desired that more people would have confidence toward Jesus Christ who gives life. Boast in the cross. In fact, 1 Corinthians 1.18 says, For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved it is the power of God. The message of the cross is, is foolishness to those who are perishing. In other words, those who remain condemned, those who have not surrendered their lives to Jesus Christ, believed on Jesus Christ, who paid their price in full... For them, it's, it's foolishness. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. It is because, just as Paul said, by it the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. In other words, the world has no power, no influence over me, is what he was saying. I'm only interested in and am influenced by that which the Lord Jesus Christ has to offer by grace through faith. That's it. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. In fact, this was, this was his commendation, you could say. The Apostle Paul. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 1 says, Are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Or, or do we need, as some do, letters of recommendation to you or from you? You yourselves are our letter of recommendation, written on our hearts, to be known and read by all. And... You show that you are a letter from Christ delivered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Such is the confidence that we have through Christ toward God, not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything as coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God, who has made us sufficient to be ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit, for the letter kills but the Spirit gives life. Even there, we see the contrast between the two ministries. One of the letter, one of the new covenant of the Spirit. In Galatians 5.1, we are reminded what the Apostle Paul wrote previously to the Galatians, saying, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Thinking that keeping the law was going to earn them righteousness. In fact, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 16 through 21, says this. (laughs) 
Verse 16 says, From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God, uh, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. In him we might become the righteousness of God. In him we might become the righteousness of God. It has nothing to do with works. And that's what the Apostle Paul was closing this letter with. In Christ we know righteousness. Not our righteousness, his righteousness is imputed to us. It's now given to our account. Amazing, but it is true. Nonetheless, and then we ourselves can turn around and give others the good news. This is how you can know salvation. And we, are, we have been given the ministry of reconciliation. We, you, no one else can make new creations but only Jesus Christ. It's what he, what he did for us and not anything we can do for God. That's what the Apostle Paul was addressing here. So number one, so to the Spirit. Number two, boast in the cross. And if you live according to God's grace and sowing to the Spirit, as the Apostle Paul says, as he continues on and says, and as for all of you who walk, in verse 16, by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Brothers, amen. And so he was, he's saying, if you live according to God's grace and sowing to the Spirit, peace and mercy be upon you. It was a blessing that the Lord gave through the Apostle Paul. He says, may grace and peace, or peace and mercy be upon you. And by the way, this peace and mercy that he's referring to, no one can take away. We were talking about, you know, instead of pursuing uh, worldly things, and instead of that being our main focus, um, the the word tells us over and over, you know, to pursue righteousness, right? To desire righteousness, holiness, seeking the Lord. Because when we do, and we're we're seeking the things that please and glorify the Lord, we have a peace that surpasses all understanding. Because we, are, we know that we're in a right standing before the Lord. We have nothing that is outstanding as far as unconfessed sin, something that we're in habitual sin in. You know, it's just, we know that we're standing right before the Lord. That's a peace that no, no one can take away. No matter who accuses you, no matter what comes your way, you stand before the Lord. You know what, I, I stand before the Lord and I know that before him, I'm at peace. I, I'm doing all I can to bring him glory and to bless him, walking uprightly before him. The true Israel of God is referred to here. Those who are descendants of Abraham, according to faith. Because 
It was his faith that, that it was accounted to him as righteousness. This is the true Israel. That's what was referring, that Paul was referring to here. The marks of Jesus. Uh, stigmata? No. <laughs> the marks are the marks of crucifixion. We're not talking about how the Apostle Paul, wow, you know, he had the marks of Jesus Christ. It was the appearance of nails into his hands and his feet. It, it wasn't that. The marks of crucifixion, Paul had been crucified with Christ, and it was no longer he who lived his life for himself, but for the glory of Jesus Christ. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Those are the marks that we ought to always have on display before the world and each other. The world is crucified to me and I to the world in Christ. Those are the marks. If, if you bear those marks, then what can shake you? What in the world can shake you? Let me tell you, nothing. Nothing. I, again, I refer to Paul. To live is Christ, to die is gain. Tell me what he's gone through and you've gone through and still have that faith. Beaten, imprisoned, left for dead, uh, experienced cold, shipwrecked. Have you ever been shipwrecked? All of those things. At some point, someone would probably say, God does not love me. He's not for me. He's really not for me. And if this was following Christ, then forget it. This is way too much. For him, he's like, hey, listen, I have, I have been saved. And the moment I breathe my last here, I will breathe my first with the Lord. In fact, there was a, a patient who was sharing with me the other day. Gravely ill. And he was telling me, you know, there's a lot to learn even in the condition that I'm in. A, a believer in Christ. There's a lot to learn even, even here. The moment I start thinking, oh, you know. Why am I in this situation? Why am I here again? The Lord reminds me, even in this situation, there's a work to be done. And so this young man, he says, so I, I'm, I'm sharing with doctors, nurses, anyone who comes to those doors, Jesus, 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 that's, that's what he's sharing with them, right? He says, because what scripture tells me is that I have a blessed hope. And I know that according to Scripture. You know, for many people, they say death is, you know, going to sleep. No, it's not going to sleep. It's actually waking up. He, he says, the, the moment I close my eyes and, and cease to exist here in the flesh, in this tent, I will be more alive than ever before. When we start to understand that blessed hope, what can shake you? What can shake your faith? It's nothing. Nothing at all. You stand fast in the Lord because you're boasting on the cross, the power of the cross. To us, it is salvation. 
we ought to not go down the same path of foolishness that the Galatians did of believing false doctrines. Stay true to the true gospel. Don't be fooled. Paul's desire is seen in the final verse, and so we close, because it is God's desire for your life today. Verse 18 says, The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers and sisters. Amen. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful, Lord, that we are reminded once more of the power of the cross. For in it was sufficient the work to satisfy the forgiveness of our sins. Because you have dealt with sin fully, completely. As our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, took upon himself the sin of the world. And because he was sacrificed on our behalf, and he was resurrected from the grave three days later, we can cry out with a victory, with a cry of victory, knowing that there is no sting in death, and sin has no victory. We are alive in Christ and will be forevermore. And so we are truly thankful for your grace for your salvation that you have offered to all mankind. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son and whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God, you desire that none should perish but that all should come to repentance. I pray, Lord, that we would respond to the true gospel. The grace and love that you have shown through Christ. May we cry out to you asking for your forgiveness and receive you unto ourselves as Savior and Lord. In Jesus' name we pray.